Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. Oh my gosh, so excited for the chat today. Amina Khalifa is my guest and I met Amina about 15 years ago. We were having a chat. I thought it was only 10, but it was 15 years ago when we were doing our NLP and coaching training in Sydney. Amina is Egyptian and living in Dubai at the moment and she travelled to Sydney for her training and I met her then and we just had this beautiful friendship and we've kind of had that distant friendship since then. So this is the first time that we've actually chatted in person since then. Amina, a little bit of background, she's a mechanical engineer who is passionate about facilitating leadership and growth. She's a certified emotional intelligence consultant, a practitioner, a facilitator and assessor. She's a certified trainer and master coach of neuro-linguistic programming, an ICF accredited co-active professional life coach, a certified experiential learning trainer and an ILM approved trainer. So lots and lots of amazing qualifications there. And I want to find out all about how what Amina's been doing in her, not only her business, but also in life and those keys to success and the magic that makes Amina who she is. So welcome, welcome gorgeous to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. And I'm, I'm really happy that we, you said that we've been, uh, we, we've met uh, 15 years ago. I mean, just off the record before the podcast, we couldn't stop talking because it was, I mean, it's as if we left each other yesterday. I, I mean, this friendship that we had, uh, this, uh, I mean, the connection that we made in, in NLP, it was, it was beautiful. So I'm really happy to be, uh, here in your sharing the space with you, Catherine. Oh my gosh. I'm so, this could be a long chat. So listeners get ready <laughs> for a long chat because we really haven't <laughs> chatted in person. We've had that connection and it really did the NLP training. We created those very strong connections. There was a group, wasn't there, that created just such beautiful, strong yes. connections. And I guess we've got those similar. We're there for a similar reason to, to learn and to grow and to develop and to use NLP in our respective businesses and lives. Yes. Before we go down that path of what you're doing now, I would love to chat about you and growing up. So you're Egyptian. You were born mm-hmm. in Egypt? Yep. yes. In Cairo? In Cairo. In Cairo. In Cairo. Yes. 
What was it like living? But you're not living in Egypt now, are you? You're in Dubai. I have been living in Dubai for the last 24 years. Yes. So uh, we we came here because my husband has uh, is is a pilot working with Emirates airline. So we moved here, and since then, of course, I I, I go to Egypt very very often. Uh, but I've been we made we made a home in Dubai. Yeah. yeah. So what was growing up like for you? Did you have a big family? I could say a small family, like it's, it was only my brother and me. But in Egypt, families are more than just the, the siblings. So uh, my father, we have, uh, I have nine uh, <laughs> uncles and aunts. So you can imagine that with uh, with all these cousins, and uh, of course, from my, my mother's side, we didn't, I didn't have. Uh, I had only one uncle who had who had passed away, but with the with the with the family with my paternal family we were we were a big family, and I would say a big family because it's not that you have a family and you do not see them or meet them, but all these cousins we actually gather and we spend our birthdays together. So yes, oh my a gosh, that would be beautiful. <laughs> and so Cairo, we were chatting. How many is it? A hundred million. Now in Cairo, uh, I think no. it's more than 100 million now, and not Cairo, Egypt. Uh, Egypt, yeah, that's sorry know, when uh, I said that. No, yeah, yeah, Cairo. Egypt. I, I, I hope it will not reach this. No, that's what I <laughs> cannot, I cannot do that. But, uh, but yes, it's an overpopulated country. It's a big. I went there probably uh, 30 years ago. I think I was traveling, and it's a big. It was a busy. Oh my gosh, I still remember the traffic. And the noise <laughs> was yes, like, oh yes, my yes, gosh. yes, yes, busier and busier, busier, busier and busier. busier. Yeah, busier and yeah. busier. And do you know one thing that really surprised me was okay. how close the pyramids and the Sphinx are to the city? And that was 30 years ago. Because when yes. we see images, when I've seen images, you sort of think they're out in the middle of the desert. Yeah, that really surprised me. They are me. right in the middle of the city right now. Yes. I mean, after these thirty years, you should go and see. I would say that it is busier, more yes. crowded, but I would say, thank God that the in the, the roads has have been actually developed and uh, lots of bridges, so the uh-huh. traffic is isn't as bad as before. We are still more crowded and busier, but things are in terms of the flow of the traffic. It is. It's a bit better, but now the pyramids are right in the middle. Right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. Yeah. Like, so there is a lot around around there. So, yeah. Did you realize growing up in Cairo how iconic and the historical importance did that? Or was it just kind of like, this is my hometown? How, what was that like? Well, you know, at schools in Egypt, I mean, part of the history is that they, they they let you feel this patriotism and then a lot of history about the pharaohs, about the pyramids and about how this is one of the seven wonders of the world. So you just have this pride of uh, mm. of uh, being there and, and the Nile and, and pyramids, Sphinx and the Nile. And not only in Cairo, but I mean, there is so much more in Luxor and Aswan. Yeah. So w- they were investing a lot to let us fr- at schools, to let us actually uh, feel, not, not only know about what we have, but feel this. So we, we, we did and we, we visited and we felt uh, really happy being there. I mean, f- feeling the grandiose of the pyramids, for example. Oh my uh, gosh. I have just got full body tingles when you share that. Because that pride and patriotism and, you know, it's, it is, it's one of the seven wonders of the world. It's iconic. 
and the history yes. and being, you know, part of that. One of the things growing up in Australia, for me, there wasn't a lot of Australiana history when I was growing mm-hmm. up and that was, yeah. you know, a while ago. There's more now. I think we learnt more about other countries than we did about our own so it's interesting. I think that's beautiful. I th- that makes me very, very happy. That- Australia, I mean, I've been to Sydney. I, I mean, I loved, I loved uh, Sydney. Yeah. I really loved yeah. it. And, and you know, from the moment I, when I, when I was traveling there, um, I mean, I was, I was a bit, you know, how it feels when you go to a country so far from where, where mm-hmm. you are on your own and, uh, studying. I mean, doing, and I was actually thinking, I mean, how will it be? I mean, me coming from, uh, this end of the world, uh, speaking Arabic, and and actually I was in a French school, so I wasn't even in an English school. So how will be how will I be accepted? And and I really loved how Australians were so. I mean, they were so welcoming. I I, I mean, from the first day, I felt there were many other nationalities, but most of them Europeans. But I I uh, I felt that there was absolutely no no issues, and I, I felt safe. Yes, and you know that is yeah, you know yeah, generally yes, Aussies yes, are very exactly. yeah generally Aussies are very welcoming and you know one of the mates <laughs> and things which is beautiful. <laughs> so did you grow up speaking Arabic and French? You went to and French and French. Yes. When did you learn yes. English? Was English part of that or not? It was. I mean, we were taking English at school, but on a minimal basis. Wow. But English, yeah, English is a, is a, I believe that when you speak French, English becomes very easy. And then oh. I, when I went university, I went to the American university. So yeah. I had like a couple of, uh, of months before, I mean, as if, um, before the freshman year as, uh, to, to actually get more of the language. And then, uh, that's it. Because, I mean, I was speaking English. It was fine, but I never had this uh, English. Um, you know, I always have a French accent to my to my English. Yes, I get that the the accent. Yeah, yeah we, the accent. Yeah, my husband and I went to Cambodia just before COVID. I was looking at running um, a women's program in Cambodia, so we were going over to sort of look for a village that we could run it in, and we lived in a village for a little, for, for a week or so. And we volunteered at the school and they just loved listening to English speakers speaking English. So they, they, they get taught English by Cambodians and they have yeah. their, you know, Cambodian accent. So accent, they just yes. soaked up when John and I were there. <laughs> we, we tried to speak our best English, but they just soaked it up. I guess just that, that lived language that was yeah that was beautiful so yeah. I can so French English is a hard language I've heard it's a confusing language did you find it confusing I mean no I found it very easy oh, I mean Arabic is not an easy language especially no, with grammar no. and French as well French yeah. also is is uh, the the grammar uh, the the yes. grammar in yeah. uh, in French is difficult so once you have these two languages and you speak English then that's it and then right. all the movies i mean we watch the 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 yes. tv and the movies so you, you english is in the in the back uh, back yes. of the mind so yeah. it's uh, it wasn't difficult so maybe maybe if you didn't speak these other languages yeah. maybe coming from a completely different language it would have been difficult yeah can i ask you amina i always wonder about this uh, people who are multilingual do you just automatically, if you're speaking to somebody in Arabic, do you automatically flip into Arabic 
and the same with French and English. Like, is it just an automatic process for you now or what does your brain do? So uh, I would say no, and I will give you two examples. Yeah. I remember when I first went to the American University, I was actually thinking in French and translating. So this is what was happening in my brain. Yes. Because yes. the English was not still, I mean, yes. now it's not the same. But at the beginning, my thought process was thinking. So certain there would be some um, some words who would look uh, similar, but would mean completely different. So I would use this. I would think in French, even the, the even the sentence. I would actually think about the sentence in French, and I would like to put it in in English. So this is how my mind was doing it because the English wasn't. I was not yes. fluent in English yes. back then. Yes. So this is one thing to answer the the, the question. Yeah. Yeah. When you say flipping from one language to the other, I know very well. I, I mean, I do trainings in. Um, sometimes I do trainings in English, and sometimes I do trainings in Arabic, and sometimes you are in a room. Uh, where actually you are doing English and then people will ask you to actually repeat because there will be some of the attendees that would would want you to repeat it in Arabic. So they would ask me. And at that moment, because, I mean, I'm focused, I'm completely in English. I just, uh, it takes me a moment and I laugh and I tell them the words are not here. The words are still in English. Give me a time. So I yes. would I would flip. So it is, especially when you're not, not just speaking normally, when you really want to convey a message and you, you want to be articulate using certain terminologies, it takes a moment. It doesn't just automatically switch yeah. from, so it is harder when I'm doing a training in English or in Arabic and I'm asked to quickly switch from here yes. to there. It takes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, takes, yeah, takes, yeah. Yeah. I remember, and, and I know we both work in that leadership space. I, yeah remember a couple of my clients were from non-English speaking backgrounds. They were learning English and they would do what you just explained then. They would translate it into their native tongue and they would think in their native tongue. Then they would have to translate it into English and it took the time, like it takes the time. Yes. And they were finding that a lot of people were not accommodating or not understanding the perception was that they because you're not thinking quick enough therefore you don't know the thing and they said it was really challenging and impacted confidence levels sometimes too so it's about that diversity isn't it understanding and appreciating yes of course diversity of course. Of course. yes yes of course. Of course. oh my gosh I love I'm always intrigued I'm not multilingual I'm yeah I'm not so I'm always intrigued. so this idea idea of diversity Catherine it's because I live in Dubai, Dubai yeah. is, um, I mean, it's, you, you find all nationalities and you can never go anywhere where you find only one nationality. So the diversity mm -hmm. is there. Yes. And I believe that there is a, quite a big tolerance to all. So this part of, of uh, feeling not confident when you are around people, I mean, everybody would be un not confident. So this is, this is something that fortunately enough, uh, I do not face it or most of the people here don't face it because mm. everybody is from from different uh, different places. Yes. And I think this one particular one particular client I remember, a young woman, and she was feeling that people didn't understand her accent, her language, she wasn't quick enough. She was like I think she just needed some reassurance from somebody. Um, she was very Absolutely. easy to understand and I think she just was like, oh, okay, cool. And then she just skyrocketed. She was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. 
You took me to address, sorry that I'm, yes, because this please. is very important yes, for yes, that. Please. You know, remember, of course, we were taken with Ted, uh, may yes. he rest in peace, and Adriana, Adriana James. So Adriana, I remember at the beginning, I felt exactly this, not, not really yes. confident enough to be speaking in English. And uh, she had a small chat with me on the side when I was, I needed to be presenting. And I was, I mean, I was taking, I was taking the, 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 the train, the trainer at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I spoke about this. So she told me something that I will never forget. And I believe that this is a, a message that would be given to anyone speaking a different foreign language. She told me, you know, Amina, I wish I could speak Arabic the same way you are able to speak English. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, this always yes. gives me that confidence. It's okay. Yes. It's not my first, it's my third language. So yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's really yeah. great. That's great advice, isn't it? That's yeah. She really reframed it or she did the, her NLP. <laughs> yeah, did the uh, NLP. Uh, oh my gosh. When you just said that about that trainer training, <laughs> that was, our training was intense, wasn't it? Yes. That was yes, intense was. training. 150 participants. Yes. And it was, or was it in the three masters? Weeks. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, masters, yeah, I think yeah, was, yeah, yeah. and each of them were like yeah. three weeks. And just, I remember that trainer training and where we had to do all the presentation. Yeah. Gosh, I just remember so much. I'd forgotten. Yes. I'd forgotten yes, a lot about yes. that. So how did you, you went to university? You said you went to an American university. You studied mechanical engineering. I did. What was yeah, that about? Did you know that that, how come? What was mechanical engineering for you? I mean, I actually uh, um, uh, hadn't, I mean, I, I always loved science, whether yes. it is uh, science like biology or physics yes. or math. And when I entered, uh, I was 16 years old when I entered university. I was young. Yes. And uh, uh, at that time, I all what I thought about is I want to study something. I know that what I love, but maybe something that would be good for career, for, for business. Yes, sure. So yeah. I had actually declared the major of business administration and I had, I mean, you, you should have, you should come with a certain GPA to be, ex, uh, G, GPA to yeah. be accepted. And I, I got accepted about this, but because I loved uh, sciences, I had an elective course uh, about introduction to engineering. And when I had this course, the person or the professor who was giving this course was the dean of the, of the mechanical engineering. And at the end of the course, he came and he he asked me to come to his office and he said, Amina, what is your major? So I said, business. And I remember he said, why? So I said, I really don't know. I mean, I uh, I was young at that time. I said, but I see that you love. I said, yes, I love, but I'm thinking of career and I want to be working and all of this and business administration. He said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do a deal with you. Uh, there is another course that I want you to take next semester. Just take this other course in engineering and then decide. Decide what you want to do. So I took the, the second course. And then after the, even before the end of the semester, I had actually switched to mechanical engineering. And this was, I mean, I love, I love the practical. I was not really happy in business. Yes. Uh, I needed to study a lot and all of these. It, it was not me. Uh, so, uh, so this is how I came to, uh, Study and be, the, and actually from American University, I was the first batch to graduate as a mechanical industrial engineering. We had mechanical mm-hmm. material, but I was the first batch to graduate as a mechanical industrial engineering. Ah, uh, and were there many women doing it? 
uh, we were actually in this batch, we were three or four only, L- lots of, uh, of, of, um, uh, of women, uh, but not specifically in the mechanical industrial. Yes. In the mechanical yeah. industrial specifically, we were two, but in the mechanical, in this batch, it was about four. Wow. And what did you do as a mechanical engineer? What's the thing you do during the day? <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, actually, the first uh, job I did was uh, an internship in uh, in Norway, and I was working in a in an aluminum uh, factory. Yeah. And back then, I was working as a mechanical, not an industrial, yeah. but it was in in a factory. I was repairing um, electric cars, electric vehicles. So <laughs> this is what I was doing. Wow! Wow! Wait. Yeah. So electric. So because because I, I am as maybe it was it was more appropriate for my size not to be working with big uh, big vehicles. With big. But I was ones. I was repairing uh, the the electric forklifts and, uh, and wow. all of that. So this is this is this was my. Uh, so hands on. We, we had a little chat offline when you were saying about your internship in Norway and yes, people it. were kind of a, about this woman from Egypt coming to work with us. What was their perception of this Egyptian woman? I remember the, I mean, the factory was a big factory, but I wasn't the workshop for re, for repairing. And in this workshop, there were 31 males, one engineer, and I would be the second one. And all of the others were technicians. And everybody was waiting to see Cleopatra coming from Egypt. They didn't know. I mean, how would this lady look like? They were waiting for Cleopatra. And then uh, I was uh, I was telling them that I mean uh, I would like to actually in the weekend to be, to be having a car to rent a car. And they looked at me and I said, "What? Can you drive?" I said, "Well, come on. First, I'm a mechanical engineer. Second, yes, of course I can drive. Why wouldn't I drive?" And they were looking and saying, "In Egypt." Don't you actually go there on camels and on horses? <laughs> and I was so, I mean, back then, this was old time, uh, Catherine. Yeah. Back then, there were no, uh, there, there wasn't any internet. And this was not in Oslo, not in the, in, in, in the capital. It was in uh, somewhere else. And, uh, people uh, thought that uh, you coming from Egypt, it's all about pyramids, about pharaohs about camels and horses. So this was the perception. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, I was not really accepted by the 30. I mean, 31, yeah. one of them was the engineer. And the 30 others, at the beginning, I was not accepted as a female, as a, coming from Egypt. What is she coming to do with us here? So, yeah. <laughs> so how did, did it take long to be, were you ever accepted? Yes, I was. It took me a week. Oh, wait, that's it good. It took me a week. That's good. Cool. A week when I, when I actually, uh, because from the beginning, because I am a mechanical engineer, I was positioned yes. with the other mechanical engineer, which was like an, an office. Uh, the, the workshop was yes. down and then the office, glass office up there. Yeah. And I was just there. I didn't know what to do. And then after some time, he was giving me some whatever paperwork or things to some things to translate from French about the vehicles and the yeah. trucks. And then I, I said, no, that's enough. I didn't come here to actually be sitting and looking at the people. Let me go down. He said, you're going to go there to work. I said, yes, this is the best. I mean, this is my internship. I want to, if I want to be an engineer, I need to make yeah. my hands dirty. So um, this is where at the beginning they were very reluctant. And then little by little, I mean, I chose the oldest gentleman there to actually just uh, let them feel having this idea of I'm like your daughter and uh, 
teach me and train me and forget the engineering that I have. I am here to actually learn from you. And this is how I got accepted. And it was it was a great experience. That's very smart to be able to do that. How long were you in Norway for? How long was that internship? Three or four months. This was the, yeah, yeah. And then did you come back to Egypt to work or did you work around different countries? No, no, I came back to Egypt. I had certain, I mean, I I moved from different places and then I stayed a bit with with no work because I was, I was, um, I mean, I delivered a baby. I was married at that time. And I decided to actually just stop, take care of my child and then uh, go back to work. And was it hard to go back to work after taking time off or was that? Actually, I had planned for two years uh, and they were not two years because I I got a a second child. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, in engineering, they always tell you, Four or five years and whatever you've studied is obsolete. So you need to restudy again. So when I, uh, when I went back, uh, I have a a passion, a family that relates to the family, which is horses. So when I came back, I actually worked with, um, in a business uh, with horses and I actually uh, had a business with one of my best friends. He was my, my colleague in university. He was a mechanical engineer as well. We had the business, so the business was related to horses. And at the same time, he was bringing in automatic gates. So it had a bit of engineering, Mm. but I was actually responsible for the part of the horses and the tack and the organizing um, competitions, horseback jumping competitions. So it was both, I mean, doing some Mm. things technical and most of the stuff was related to horses. So uh, it caused me a shift, but I was very happy with this shift. I still had the engineering mind and the engineering whatever used it, but it was uh, so I had my own business and, and and we had stables. We still have the same the stables in Sharm el Sheikh now. Yeah. Oh, I do you know what I remember seeing those photos. I think that was when we were studying together. I was working with a couple of business colleagues and we were looking at running a equine assisted yes. learning program. I remember. That didn't get, I remember. It didn't get off the ground. <laughs> it didn't get off the ground, but. Oh my gosh, that was just such a, yeah, that was a, a, a great idea. But I remember seeing those photos of you with your horses and just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So how did you make the transition? Was that part of the transition from mechanical engineering to working in that space of leadership and growth and development? How did you make that transition? Well, this transition actually happened Really after this, when we moved to Dubai, it was very hard for me. I mean, I've taken the decision with my husband that we're going to move to just have the whole, the whole family together. But I already had a very established work in Egypt. I had my business. I was at that time working with the International Coaching, um, uh, International um, Horseback Riding Federation as a liaison between the International Federation and the Egyptian Federation. And I, I mean, I was established in, uh, in Egypt. And it wasn't very hard, but I had taken the decision to just move the whole family together instead of having my husband yes. there. And so when I moved there, I wasn't actually being able to really settle because I was like every month and a half, I would leave for two weeks from Dubai and stay in Egypt to take care of the business or to actually be because it was me and my, 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 my partner. So I was just, you know, I felt really as if I'm living one foot in one uh, continent 
Asia and the other foot in uh, in Africa and I was you know jumping from here and there and after some time I felt that no balance no I mean that there is something and I got introduced to coaching I mean I was coached yeah and I really loved what coaching is and I at that time I said okay I want to study that so yeah. I started by studying coactive coaching And then I got introduced to the whole idea. I mean, going back to the mechanical engineering, when I heard the name neuro-linguistic programming and the brain and the language and, you know, engineering, you know, all of these Anthony Robbins, you you, you read about, uh, I mean, you you hear him and it's all about the engineering of, of your brain. So the engineering part kicked in together with the coaching. And this is when I decided to actually travel to take it from, to take the, the, there were actually uh, um, schools in uh, in uh, in Dubai and everything, but I decided to copy excellence from uh, the closest. You know what we, what we are taught. If you have, if you can afford the time and the, the the effort and and the money to go somewhere. So this is what I did, and since then, I mean, it took me NLP did this, and when I came back, I I started my my own my own business in coaching and training and to give certifications to, uh, to NLP. So this was the transition. Wow. That's a big, I mean, it is, but it's not like I can see that transition. It seems quite, you know, logical, sequential, you know, just looking at opportunities. I love what you're saying about the engineering of the mind and yeah. also the language and the development and the power in you know mastering yeah mastering yourself yes I'm gosh I've got a million things just going through my mind at the moment it's like well what do I want to ask you next (laughs) I'm so you 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 were you started your business and you were providing the coaching but also NLP accreditation so that's pretty full-on yes oh you were doing that in Dubai were you doing that in Dubai in Dubai yes I was doing this in Dubai yeah. Yeah. And then you got approached by somebody to join their company, didn't you? That you. Yes. I got approached. You were headhunted. Yeah. yeah. I was actually approached by an Egyptian um, fellow coach that we didn't know each other, yeah. but she was actually founding her own coaching uh, uh, and training uh, institute at that time or company. And uh, she was looking for coaches and trainers. And I got a, I got a message or a call from her. And this was like 13 years ago. And uh, she was telling me, would you come and uh, do some trainings? I see that you can you can give NLP or you can actually work as a corporate. And I said, corporate? What corporate? And she said, whatever you're doing, but you just do it, do it in organizations, in the corporate world. And uh, I uh, I joined her. And since then, I mean, I moved. I mean, all of these years I've been with this. The company is one of the biggest uh, uh, organizations. I mean, if you just go on LinkedIn, you will see that it started as as a small uh, company and she had a vision and uh, her vision was to actually make this as, as a big company. And here we are now. And I'm, I'm, I'm exclusive uh, with her as a senior uh, consultant and uh, facilitator and trainer. Wow. Do you want to uh, mention the company for people to find or we'll put it in the show notes? Do you want to? Yeah, it is. It's called the Human Network International, HNI. Yeah. This is the company. Human Network International and you're a senior consultant. That is exciting because I, and you work with corporate. (laughs) You work with. Yes. Now I work only with corporate. I mean, even (laughs) my, 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 my my small um, uh, entity that I had actually founded 
Uh, I never put in my, um, that I am I'm a CEO or anything because it it is my entity. It's still there. It's yeah. called Core Senses. It's still there. If at any time I am uh, I want I, I do private coaching, so I use my coaching as yeah. um, under the name of Core Senses. Uh, if I do any NLP, I use it as well. But uh, I mean, most of the time I am. Uh, Fully, fully uh, corporate. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. And you were saying that it's super busy at the moment because yeah. you're going on vacation shortly and Ramadan is, when's Ramadan? Ram- Ram- Ramadan was. Ramadan was. was yes. In, yes. Yeah. So, so, uh, uh, you know, there, there were, there are periods in the corporate training, yes. in the corporate world uh, that uh, there are peaks and there are, you know, sometimes where things are slower. So usually in Ramadan, which is a full month, People do not really prefer to do trainings because in Ramadan you're fasting, so you don't drink, you don't, you don't eat. Yes. So it's not really easy to do a, tra- a training. So we had this slow time and then we had what's called uh, Al-Aid. So this is our feast after Ramadan. Yeah. And then things started to pick up. Now it is one of the busy, busy times. Yeah. So, so I was, yes. I, I was, um, coordinating diaries and it was, it was hard to get you because you were busy, busy. What is Ramadan? That's Ramadan is uh, for Muslims. Uh, Ramadan is a month of fasting. Yes. So uh, people know Ramadan because people fast and they do not eat and they do not drink. But actually, Ramadan is uh, for me as a um, as a coach or the way I see it, it is self management. It is an absolute self awareness and self management. It is not about only eating and drinking. It's about you managing yourself to be having the same energy and and it's also um i mean in in our religion it is not only about food it's about how you are um, you are able to actually continue behaving at your best showing your tolerance showing at that moment it's it's about sharing so it's about being able to feel how other people who do not have food do not so feeling you know this empathy uh, yes. empathizing with people who who are less fortunate than you are. Yeah. So feeling how they can be thirsty, they can be hungry and the sharing in Ramadan. So it's, uh, it's all about how you can be the best self while actually maintaining this no food, no drink. And at the same time, not only managing your energy, but managing all your spiritual, you know, there is a lot of prayer. There is a lot of um, many things together with that. So it's uh, for me, it's a beautiful month, actually a month where people gather together. So the beauty of the month is that you fast the whole day and then you eat uh, at sunset. And at sunset, usually we we like to gather. I mean, uh, here in Dubai, we it's uh, I'm fortunate enough to have my kids, not kids. I mean, they are married. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, the family. So we gather or with friends. So it's a time where we fast and then we gather. And uh, and there is a lot of um, good fortune. I mean, a lot of. I don't like to really use the charity thing, but yeah. you want to make sure that as you eat, if you have the means to uh, to help others eat as well, so you find people around you where you can, not not your friends, but other people around you yeah. where you can yeah. feed if you are. So it's a, it's a beautiful beautiful month. Oh, Amina, thank you for sharing that because I not fully understanding. Often it's about thinking the fasting, but when you're talking about the whole self-awareness, self-management, thinking about other people as well. There's a lot of, it sounds to me as though there's a lot of intention that goes into, into that. It's not just about not, it's not about deprivation. 
It's yeah. about the intention and the meaning and the purpose behind it. I love the word that you use as intention because intentionally in Ramadan, you should be fasting, not just from food and, and yes. drink, yes. fasting from, from saying anything that yes. would hurt someone from yes. being, I mean, fasting from uh, not managing yourself, for yes. example. So being aware, being this, doing things intentionally and your presence. Yes. So feeling that I am present. I know I am aware. So this is why I link it. I even, I can remember that I've written in Ramadan, I've written like a small post in, on LinkedIn to link emotional intelligence. How can fasting help you in actually practicing your emotional intelligence, being this awareness and this management, how can you manage yourself there? So yeah. I see a, a link there. I see a link too. When you were sharing that, that's exactly where I was thinking. It's around, you know, when we we're talking about NLP, which is about personal mastery as well. Emotional intelligence is about um, self-awareness, self-management, and also about being aware of others and connecting with others. I think a lot of people, you do a lot of work with emotional intelligence, don't you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think a lot of people yeah. aren't quite sure what that is about either. They think emotional intelligence is just understanding themselves. It's, do you want to, yeah, what is not, emotional intelligence? What, yeah, I'm <laughs> throw it to you. You're the expert. <laughs> you know, in simple, in the corporate world, I tell them one sentence because you know, when you go to corporate yeah, and you tell yeah. them, and, 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 and I do a lot of work with the, with the leaders and managers. Yeah. So they would say, Oh, emotions. We just leave the emotions outside the door. So I tell them in one sentence, emotional intelligence is your ability to make decisions. Every single moment decisions that you do using your thinking and feeling together. So it's not about using your, your emotions. It's using both of them. And this is the combination. I mean, this is what people need to understand, that there is a big difference between being emotional yes. and being emotionally intelligent. Yes. yes. And as you have mentioned, it's not only with yourself. It is your ability to, to be aware of yourself, to manage yourself, and then to be aware of other people. So talking about leadership, it's self-leadership. Yes. It's about awareness and management and then leading others. Whether you are on a leader, I'm not talking about leadership position, but leading, you can actually lead others wherever you are. So leading others is by being empathetic, by being able to be aware of others and communicating and building connections and relationships with this with this awareness. So this is just emotional intelligence. Yeah. I, oh gosh, and, I've just yeah. got so many examples of my, a lot of my corporate clients and please, I'll, I'll, some of them are not emotionally intelligent. <laughs> a lot are, <laughs> but there's some of those yeah. missing links as well. It's one Absolutely. of the things that I observe is people are not aware of the impact that they're having with others, others. and yeah. on others. Yep. And over Absolutely. others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so there's that. And you, self-regulation. You yeah. 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 <laughs> you as a coach, uh, Catherine, what you are doing is actually bringing this awareness. Yes. So yes. with the allowing people to discover and to know. Yes. So this is uh, any, any coach, co any coach or coaching um, work is about bringing awareness as well. So it yeah. is, it is developing emotional intelligence. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm really very happy to have uh, I was telling you before the, the podcast that since I switched, uh, the, 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 I mean, into coaching and training and leadership and all of this, I put it, put it in my mind that every year I need to be doing a certification. 
And I went very deep with Six Seconds mm-hmm. Organization, which is one of the leading organizations about emotional intelligence in the world. And I've done almost all their certifications. I'm now a network leader and an ambassador because I really believe in this. And I believe in the connection between NLP, coaching and emotional intelligence. They are all interrelated and we use all of them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And we've got Amina's bio in the show notes and there's a lot of qualifications. A lot of them we probably haven't even mentioned. You love learning, don't you? I do. You, you love lifelong learner. Lifelong, <laughs> lifelong learner. learner. And you're a deep learner. I think where I don't have nearly as many qualifications as you do, but when I am interested in something, I go deep into it. And I, I, am, and I can I see yeah, that with yeah, you. I can yeah, see that yeah, with you. Yeah. I wanted to dip into, we were talking about women in leadership and there's yeah. a lot of really, you, you work with men and women, don't you? It's not just women. Yes, of course. Yes. But yes. you were talking yes. about in Dubai and even within Egypt, there's some really strong female leadership as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What so were some of the things is... that, gosh, I can't remember what we were saying about that. I was talking about some, maybe some of the perceptions of just living in the, the, in Dubai and Cairo mm-hmm. in Egypt. And you were saying that there's some really strong, powerful women leaders. Tell me a yeah. little bit more about. I am actually working in Dubai. I, uh, actually, I work in Dubai, in Saudi Arabia, sometimes in Doha, sometimes in Kuwait. But my, my, my focus is in UAE. So Dubai and Abu Dhabi and Sharjah and so UAE as, as a whole, United UAE, Arab yeah. Emirates. So uh, I am really amazed by uh, women uh, and I mean, young ladies, young women. If you look at the ministries and the ministers, young women, they are in power. And in especially in UAE, I think that this is the highest percentage. If you look at the GCC or the Arab world, and I've been working very closely with many governmental entities and, you know, at, at a higher level. And I, 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 I work with them and I see how they are, what level of education and what level of thinking, the creativity, the, the power they have, the will, the, 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 the will and how the country is facilitating this for women and accepting them and, and the diversity and the tolerance. So this was really, really amazing. I, I don't think that this was in the, in the, in the GCC area. It wasn't like this years and years ago. But no. now, I mean, the the women are unstoppable. They are unstoppable. I am actually. loving. I am loving hearing that because I'm. We have some really great female leaders in Australia in different areas within, you know, corporate government, community as well. Community I'm, as well, yes. Yeah, course. community as well. Politics. I'm not sure our women fare very well in politics in government, but there's certainly helping, like you said, to facilitate opportunities to be able to development and growth and things around yeah. that. So I'm, I'm thinking back, Amina, to when you were at university, when you were a 16 year old, one of, you know, a couple of women studying a male dominated field. It sounds to me as though you're a bit of a trailblazer in, and <laughs> you would be a, great mentor for women as well and for the blokes but I think you you know just I get a sense that 
that you've been able to, through your experiences, that you have a lot to offer to other young women? Just get that sense. Yeah. Catherine, I've done a couple of um, leadership training, like women in leadership. Yeah. Maybe maybe you will relate when I say this, but we never think about this before. So usually when you do um, corporate, of course, women in leadership, corporate, and you get all these uh, women from a, from an organization or a company, whether it's governmental or another company, and we are there. And in the middle of the training, everybody realizes, why are we doing this training only for women? I mean, I mean, if we really want to, women, I don't see that women need to be empowered. Mm. They are empowered. I mean, I mean, they get their own power. They are motivated. They have this intrinsic motivation. But the thing is that even the ladies there, they would say that the, the women there, they would say, I mean, we wanted this training, having our colleagues, the male colleagues with us. So they would actually, we will talk about many things and they would, it's, it's about changing the perception. They need to actually see a, a different perception. Of course, we need to prove everything. Yeah. We are there, but, uh, but it's about having leadership as just women leadership. Uh, no, we want them to be, to be there. Yeah. And I hear from their colleagues as well. We, we would have loved to, to come to the training to discuss this and to discuss women in leadership. So yeah. it is amazing how we sometimes focus on, okay, we give this training for women, but they discover that other people need to be on board. We, we coexist and. Yeah, I hear, yeah. I, I yeah. hear you. I've run women in leadership programs. And yeah. as you're saying that, my thoughts, yes, I agree. I think it would be great that it is a leadership and we don't need to have designated you know, yeah. women in leadership programs, one of the things I found was the women attending, it was a space for them to to share, to connect, and also to a lot of the women felt that they, they weren't being heard at the table. And Absolutely. that would be awesome to be able to share that with others and it's not just blokes not hearing them at the table but they felt that they they weren't being heard so strategies were around helping them to do that but I yes I'm thinking that would be very powerful to be able to talk about that in a combined forum absolutely I mean I mean having some space for for women to talk and to discuss and everything in a safe space and at the same time not only because leadership is for both, but I mean, there are things that are concerning women in leadership that yes. men need to hear. Yes, exactly. So, so exactly. Uh, there are, but, but of course there is that we, we should allow for some space, as you have said, because yeah. again, I'm sure that you are always wearing this hat of a coach. So yeah, you want yeah, people yeah. to speak and yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. and, and this is how I do my, my trainings as well. I mean, I am, I'm a facilitator. Most yeah. of my trainings are done in a sense as if it was a group coaching thing. Yes. So, yeah, so yes, definitely you want this space for, and so it's, um, it's both, both ends. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah? Yes, it's I'm... not either or it's both ends. Both you know, and, this, yeah. uh, you know, you know, this uh, idea about the paradox mindset. We talk a lot about the growth mindset, yes. yeah. but there is another type of mindset that is growing. I mean, people yeah. are talking about it more now. That's called the paradox uh, mindset. So uh, it, in simple terms, it's instead of either or, yeah. 
it's both and. Yes. Yes. It's not about compromising to get yes. both, but actually yes. you, you, you have these two ends of the spectrum yes. and how can you actually not bring them together, but get something out of yes. each part of the spectrum. So that's, that's what. Oh my gosh. I've got, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've got one gig at the moment that that is the exact answer. There's, there's a lot of non-compromising and yeah. it's not an either or. But anyway, I won't even go down that path. What are some of your personal practices for living your best life? So you're living in Dubai. Dubai. Your husband's still pilot? Is he still? Flying, yeah. Flying in Emirates, yeah. Do you fly around with him? Do you get sit in the cockpit with him? Uh, No, no more. After uh, September 11, no cockpit is allowed. Uh, But before that, I was, I was allowed. And then now everything is so fast that, uh, I mean, they have minimum stay. I mean, he goes a lot to Melbourne and Sydney and I would take me with you, but he spends not more than 24 hours. So it's not worth it for them. They get what, what is called minimum rest. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't travel with him anymore, but we actually manage, um, with Emirates airline, everything is so scheduled that from the beginning of the year, he needs to schedule all his vacations. Oh. So he likes to, instead of having, um, uh, like almost a month or something vacation, he likes to have like two weeks and then a week here and a week there. And this is what we try to do together is that we block these and we, we, we travel. So we do something together. Whether we go back to Egypt, we have nice uh, places by the sea yeah. on both ends, on on the Red Sea and on the and on the Mediterranean, or travel abroad. So this is one thing that we enjoy doing. As I was telling <clears> you, I um, sometimes I work full time, <laughs> like yeah. these days, every day training. Yeah. But actually, I'm not I'm, I'm not full time. So I like to have uh, uh, days where I can spend with the family, where I can go visit my mom. So, uh, I do, uh, I do, I like to read and I, I always schedule some time for my, my personal self-development. Yeah. So whether, whether attending seminars or do going completely for a complete certification. And sometimes I do, I mean, I do sessions with the, as I was telling you, I'm a network leader with six seconds organization. So we do uh, free webinars. I mean, uh, bringing people to understand more about emotional intelligence in certain topics. So I give this and this for me is, is my, is a time off because I love sharing yes. and it's a free space. So, yeah. um, so we talk about the topic and, uh, that's but, it. I love the sea. I love, uh, uh I mean, I, I love to walk by the sea. It's, it's something that, um, yeah. enriches my soul. Yes. <laughs> I know why we connected like yeah. so yes, much, yes. so much in common. Do you have grandbabies? Do you have grand? Why, why, why this question? People will know that we are that old, uh, uh, Catherine. Of no, course you, I do. you're a young grandma. You're a young grandma. <laughs> I'm a you... young grandma. Okay. I have three. Yes. I have, oh. I have three. I'm fortunate that they live here in Dubai with yeah. me. So they, they, I mean, this is my serotonin and oxytocin. Yes. I call them my, my, <laughs> I, I have, I mean, I need to have oxytocin time, uh, yes. uh with my grandkids. They are yes. my oxytocin and serotonin. Oh, I love that. I um keep putting pressure on my kids. Nothing mm. yet. So if they're listening, hurry up. No, not really. Yeah. But yes, I yeah, love. yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, Catherine needs needs more. I mean, she is full of oxytocin and serotonin. I mean, I follow her to get this vibe of of the, the happiness, the happiness uh, high. 
but uh, mm. but I mean she needs she needs uh, she's giving a lot so so guys bring her yeah. bring her some oxytocin yeah that give me some oxytocin little grand oxytocins uh, yeah I go um, to trampolines with them to we go uh, swimming and jumping and running and all of this and this is what this is the the yes. they bring youth in my my yes, my, that my, is. Yes. my life yeah. yes that's beautiful <laughs> where's the holiday where's your vacation. Where are you going to? This next? vacation, I'm going to uh, Egypt, not in Cairo, somewhere on the Mediterranean. The vacation that was in May, I went to Switzerland, to the mountains and to Italy. That Some, sounds... Sometime in Egypt, sometime somewhere else. That sounds beautiful. <laughs> that just sounds beautiful. So where can our listeners find you? Amina, we'll have the details in the show notes, but mm-hmm. what's the best place on Instagram to find you or... Well, I am more a LinkedIn person. Oh, you're LinkedIn. Uh, yep, sure. Yeah, I am. Yep. I, I mean, I like, I'm guilty of being not very consistent uh, on uh, on posting. Yeah. So uh, I'm posting so on LinkedIn. LinkedIn and yep. I, yeah, Perfect. yeah. So LinkedIn, I, I, I love to give some, uh, you know, I, I, I write posts that, that will not educate, but just share the knowledge. So as yeah. you have said, I am a learner. I'm a lifelong learner. learner yeah. But I cannot keep on learning without sharing the knowledge. So this is the that. complete flow. So, uh, so it has yes. to be a flow. Yes. So, uh, and on Instagram as well, I'm Amina Khalifa too on Instagram. Yes. So, uh, sometimes I put the same thing, but I focus more on LinkedIn. Okay. So we'll have the details. If you would like to connect with Amina on LinkedIn, do that. Gosh, that went quick. So thank you very, very much for joining us and. I'm looking forward to connecting with you more and not leaving Absolutely. it for 15 years. So hugs and happiness to you. And just a reminder, if anybody wants to sign up to the Happiness Hive newsletter, um, and if you haven't done so already, just pop over to www.happiness-hive.com. Just scroll down to the bottom of the page. And the email, I just have little tips that drop each week each Wednesday and I got a beautiful message today from one of the subscribers saying that the newsletters are a little ray of sunshine and that just made my heart very very happy so thanks again Amina for that it's a real dose of happiness dose of happiness yeah I tried not only the newsletter but I mean seeing you on Instagram it is really a a dose a dose of happiness oh I love you so much (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, Come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.